Hello, and welcome to Unbound Talks, featured by Bookleaf. In this review series, we will spin our theories midway through the book and later unravel the truth once complete. If you'd like to receive updates to read along with our podcast, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter. I hope you enjoy. Hi, my name is Haley, and I am a reader, blogger, artist, and writer. We are starting this podcast to connect with other readers and the writing community. I am a co-blogger of The Page Unbound, which began in June of 2014, and my other co-blogger is Becca. Hi, my name is Becca. I'm a reader, writer, blogger, and a teacher, and welcome to our podcast. House of Earth and Blood, Crescent City by Sarah J. Moss. Bryce Quinlan had the perfect life, working hard all day and partying all night, until a demon murdered her closest friends, leaving her bereft, wounded, and alone. When the accused is behind bars with the crime start up again, Bryce finds herself at the heart of the investigation. She'll do whatever it takes to avenge their deaths. Hunt Athalar is a notorious fallen angel, now enslaved to the archangels he once attempted to overthrow. His brutal skills and incredible strength have been set to one purpose to assassinate his boss's enemies, no questions asked. But with the demon wrecking havoc in the city, he's offered an irresistible deal. Help Bryce find the murderer and his freedom will be within reach. As Bryce and Hunt dig deep into Crescent City's underbelly, they discover a dark power that threatens everything and everyone they hold dear. And they find in each other a blazing passion, one that could set them both free if they'd only let it. With unforgettable characters, sizzling romance, and page-turning suspense, this richly inventive new fantasy series by number one New York Times bestselling author Sarah J. Moss delves into the heartache of loss, the price of freedom, and the power of love. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I read that, the power of love. The power of love. Did you read her acknowledgments? They're actually kind of cute. Said something about how she loves her husband and that's why she can, you know, write these awesome love stories is because she has an awesome love story. It was really cute. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. I kind of skimmed over them a bit. I'm bad about that. <laughs> oh, that's okay. It just caught my attention. So I was like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> All right. So, Becca, why don't you tell me about your first impressions of the book? Well, I thought it was a little slow, but I'm really enjoying the setting and I'm really enjoying the characters and I'm really enjoying the world that she created. So it's enough to keep me going, but I'd like to have a little something, something. Yeah. Do you feel like maybe it was just slow through the details? Was it more like, like scene set up for you? I just, I feel like, there wasn't enough momentum um, really pushing the story. There's not much action. It's mostly just, you know, investigations. It's like watching a crime show, I guess. I know eventually it's probably going to really pick up and be really exciting. I think that she's just setting the stage right now. I just wish there was a little bit more action in it, I think is my problem. But like I said, I'm still really enjoying it. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I feel like maybe it's just like the type of reading, because I, I definitely vary. I usually like to ingest a lot of, why do I keep saying ingest? <laughs> I like to read a lot of action. <laughs> and 
I don't like it to kind of overtake the story. She does really center on the characters and what they're feeling and kind of really just going through the backlash. So it's very much that, yes, that does give it a slow type of story. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm really enjoying it. You know, we're officially halfway point right now. and A little bit more. Characters <laughs> are, are short. <laughs> I, the most I was part. a little worried when I saw how many chapters were in this book. I mm-hmm. think there was 97 or something like that. Um, 97. 97 chapters. So when I saw that, I had a little mini heart attack. But uh, yes, they're, they seem to be short chapters. So there's been a few long ones, but overall they're they're pretty short, which does help with the flow of the story because the book is told by multiple points of view. And so that does help, you know, shifting the scenes and shifting the characters, help move the story along. And then also one of the things I appreciate, I do like to read books with multiple uh, points of view. I can get a little off put if those points of view don't go kind of chronologically. This is just me, really. But like if, for instance, the character has their point of view and then another character will go like way back in their point of view. (laughs) And it feels still like even though you're going and you're going through the different character experiences, it the pace of the story is still going. You know, this investigation is still being met and we're being given all of this information. Do you have a favorite character so far? I really like Bryce. I feel like she's a very rounded, crazy, just does not <laughs> she she has <laughs> she's a surprising character. I feel like we, you know, even now halfway through the book, we don't know a lot about her. We know certain facts about her but you know there's just so many like hidden things that even in her personality or emotions but there's still a lot that is being held back so I think that I mean I like these just dark gray (laughs) characters and I feel like Bryce fits that perfectly but what about you what's your favorite character I really like Run I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right that is her uh quote unquote cousin, (laughs) you know, half, half brother, cousin. I just love how much of an ass he is. I don't know why, but I love it because it's just in the way he carries his demeanor and uh, just the subtle shift in movement and things like that about him, where you can tell he cares about Bryce and wants to protect her and be that brother for her. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy seeing him like that. And it, it's kind of neat to have this dark, brooding, you know, male character that's not a love interest mm-hmm. to see like just a different dynamic with the main character. I think it just adds a, a little flair to the story. I'm really excited to see what he's going to, you know, what's going to happen to him and where his story is going because I think it's definitely going somewhere very important he's definitely my favorite you know it's funny because I okay so I've been pronouncing it room could be run I have no idea um I have no idea maybe we should look that up <laughs> yeah let's look that up let's see I'm gonna do it right now it's apparently Romanian you might hear it on my uh keyboard because it has Let, a video let's do it for the listeners Rune. Rune. So we're... Rune. Okay. Rune. 
Did you hear that? Yes. <laughs> you know, it's great that you point that out, actually, because that does bring up a, a very interesting topic is that with readers, we see all these different types of names and pronunciations. We have the city names, the rivers, we have Luanthian, which is how I pronounce it. But it's really interesting to have all of that comprised in the story, really making this world building complete. And I think it's a really great note that, you know, a lot of us do see it differently just in the names, not just the setting and plot. I definitely don't think it was too much to handle either because at first, you know, it's, oh gosh, you're, you're getting a lot of different information, but as you continue to delve into it, it just becomes more and more familiar for sure. I'm glad that you said um, something along, you know, about that because I really enjoy her world building. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but um, this world that she created is so unique and different. And I, that's one thing that I've really enjoyed reading about is all the different aspects of this world, mm-hmm. because there is a lot. Oh, yes. They go to this place that apparently it's almost described as city or island that they go. Uh-huh. Basically, another, almost like another realm. Yes, exactly. Like it's kind of from that old mythology, like H-E-L, hell, where they go. But that this place also almost like watches back, like it watches on this city of Crescent City. So I thought that was really interesting, too. You know, you you have just so many aspects of this world building from us that, you know, we haven't even touched the surface of. But it it really is, it it definitely speaks to it because I just feel like, goodness, these places come alive with the detail and the characters that sometimes we just see for a moment in the scenes and they really stand out for sure. Oh, yes, I agree. Oh, it's called the Bone Quarter. (laughs) The Bone Quarter, Yes. yes. I feel like there's definitely some mystery to that that she's touched on a few times, but it's never really gone fully into yet, so... Who knows? Yes. Maybe secrets will be revealed. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I I did want to comment um, on your favorite character, Rune. I won't say (laughs) it like that every time, I promise. But I thought it was funny because he's older than Bryce. But for some reason, he just seems kind of like this naive character (laughs) of the book. Uh I don't know why, but I just... I guess, like, he is a dimensional character. He does have, like, different parts to him. But I thought it was really funny when he was interacting with the Mediwitch and was just kind of, like, oh, yes. struck by her beauty and didn't even think to ask for her name. <laughs> and so, so this whole time I was just kind of like, oh, my gosh, this guy is... He's kind of just like, he hasn't really grown up A yet. lost little puppy. Yeah. But he's also <laughs> been under the rule of his father. So, you know, I feel like that is true. Yeah, he hasn't really experienced the same or nearly the same experiences as Bryce. That's true. I also think that her dealing with that tragedy really, it made her grow up because before that she was quite the party girl and didn't really think about more than maybe the, a week at a time or things like that. Like, I think that her dealing with her friend's uh, death and everything, I feel like that really forced her to have to grow up. And I'm not so sure that Ruin has had to deal with something like that. 
I think that that's like why she just kind of seems more mature and she seems uh, a little bit more grown up is because she's had to face some pretty horrible things where I'm sure he's had to do probably not very good things in the name of the Autumn King, but I don't think he's had to lose somebody. So I think that um, that could play into why he's naive. That's my opinion. Well, I don't think he's particularly naive. Like when I said that, I guess it's just the way that he's described sometimes. And I guess it's the way actually that Bryce treats him. And it's funny because you see it a couple times where Bryce will look her nose down at someone taller than her. And Hunt likes to point this out as well, which is pretty great. But she does it where, you know, she doesn't like these whole alpha holes demeanor, but then she gets absolutely called out. <laughs> other people just like that. That's so true. That was like a total highlight for me in the book. <laughs> but I think too, you know, we don't know a lot about the Autumn King. They've touched on about Rune's mother uh, very briefly, but but we have seen more of basically the underbelly of Crescent City. I haven't really seen a lot about actual, like, the phase. We've talked about the Oracle and they do, but we haven't seen a lot of characters other than maybe those, like, two that really stand out and the and the posse that follows <laughs> Rune. So I think, you know, maybe we will see more of that in the second half. Like what's really going on there. If, if maybe someone from that kind of group is responsible for what happened with the steaming. Yeah, no, that would be really interesting. Yeah, Do I, you have a theory? Well, you know, gosh, I, <laughs> I had a, theory six chapters ago and it's changed since then (laughs) well who was your theory uh six chapters ago and who's your theory now so i was feeling a bit suspicious about isaiah because he's been he's been a noted character in the book for sure you've seen him through his point of view him with his kind of partnership with hunt and is respected amongst uh, their group. And I think it's just really interesting because, you know, he's been able to gain some respect and a bit of power, but he is, you know, essentially still a slave. He has the, like, what is it called on their halo? The halo. Yeah. So these halos, you know, they are these mockery versions of what angels are supposed to have, but, you know, essentially it's just this immediate marker that people see and know that they are owned and are at the beck and whim of Micah, who is the archangel of Crescent City. And so I think it's just kind of interesting because he's at this point where he is not free, yet he does have a certain amount of power. And he's kind of like almost, I wouldn't say goody two-shoes, but he's just like this kind of not rule-bending character that definitely has eyes on everyone. I mean, he knows of Bryce, he knows of Hunt. He was originally there when this demon first attacked. And I feel like he's in a really good position to either have, you know, been possible or maybe be working with someone um, 
to to summon this demon from ever being yet. But what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I I like your theory on Isaiah. Um, I also um, I think it's very interesting that she does one chapter from Isaiah's point of view. It's chapter six, and no other chapters are from his point of view. Mm-hmm. And I really think that there's a reason why she did it. I think it's important. And I'm sure that what's probably going to happen is I'm going to get through the whole book and then I'm going to go, oh, I got to go re- reread chapter six and find out what I missed because <laughs> I feel like there's something in there that I that I have missed mm-hmm. <laughs> because she could have easily done that chapter from Hunt's point of view because he was in there too. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Especially so, since, you know, we see Hunt in his point of view later in the, in the chapters as well. You know, he's, he's a dominant character there. So it's interesting that she would choose someone who was being introduced, or she actually both characters were being introduced at that time, but she chose someone who wasn't going to be that main point of view. So you have a very good point. Exactly. There. Exactly. And actually, so I, there's something going on in that chapter. That actually brings me up to a point. You've actually, so you've read other books by Sarah G. Moss. Who, I have. <laughs> yeah. And what would you say are some of kind of like the similarities there, you know? impressions between Um, them she definitely writes epic fantasy um so all of her stories have been pretty epic the throne of glass series is probably more epic than the court of thorns and roses only because i feel like that one's kind of more uh, based on fairy tales and it's a take on beauty and the beast Mm -hmm. and it's to me it's a little bit more of like a love story whereas i feel like the throne of glass series is definitely like queens and kings and battles and the good guys and bad guys and swords and so in that regard they're all pretty epic i do notice some similarities that she seems to have pulled from some of her other stories mm-hmm. cuz see i i have a theory that bryce has her dad's magic or his, you know, ability to wield fire and things like that. And so Throne of Glass main character, also her ability was fire. The Throne of Glass character, she is born human because of her DNA. She was, part of her DNA is Faye. And so she is able to become Faye later on. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's kind of like that half human, half Faye kind of thing in the court of thorns and roses she's human and then they turn her fey so all of them have a human component and all of them have this fey component do you feel like she kind of did that to have her main character like connect with the audience to kind of even though she has like this high and high fantasy large world maybe she's trying to kind of center it so that we can connect with her more to be honest, my theory, and I could be completely wrong, because I really don't know oh, what go ahead. Sarah J. Moss thinks. Go ahead. That's what we're here for. Let's just throw like some wild theories. Let's do it. <laughs> I think she's a little obsessed with Faze, and so I think she just loves them so much, and I think that's why she um, obsessively has been writing about them. Mm. So uh, I think that she loves that the fae alpha male domineering male interest because all of the books have that Mm -hmm. the only difference with crescent city is that the main love interest so far is an angel but 
She has been known to, um, with her past two series, to start off with one love interest and then move on to a different one. So we'll see if that's a trend, if she's going to do that with this series as well. Mm. She also seems to like dark winged males. The uh, Thernoglass uh, doesn't have that, but the Court of uh, Thorns and Roses um, has a winged fae that is you know, easy on the eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said about different kind of romantic interests with the book, and you kind of do get that impression a bit. Because I have not read other books by Sarah J. Moss. This is my first one, but I, I really did get that kind of impression. You know, we've already had her go through this love interest uh, of Connor. Which... You know, it did not last long, oh, I unfortunately. Didn't think about that. Yeah. And so you have this first love interest, sort of, it's a flirtation. It's definitely a camaraderie, this partnership with Hunt. And I think it's interesting because, you know, we, we have established that they work well together, that they kind of almost kind of walk in the room and take charge um, with, how they, <laughs> with how they pair up. And have this sort of strength. And then we also have his history as well with him having lost a first love as well. So we definitely have this connection between these characters. And I think that's definitely a running theme. I mean, we'll see if maybe something will happen and who knows if another love interest could come about. But I think we've already established these characters that are going to be with that one true love and tragically it did not work out. They've lost them. That is very interesting. See, I didn't realize that with Connor, but you're totally right. Um, Definitely a recurring theme. Mm -hmm. She does that very early on, but with that purpose of essentially jumpstarting Bryce's journey and changing character growth. And I think that's something that definitely stands out on how different Bryce is just from, you know, the end of part one, essentially. And here we are already in part two, almost past part two. But there has already been some changes with her opening up a little more. And I think that's definitely paralleled in Hunt. And we'll see just what kind of characters they really are, what they'll grow into being once they've been able to really open themselves up again. I mean, we'll see because, you know, personalities can change over time gradually, especially when you're able to connect with another person who understands that kind of grief. So we'll really be able to see what kind of characters these really are and how they can trust one another. Yes, I think so too. So why don't we go back to what I had kind of mentioned before is that I had a I had a theory from, you know, six chapters ago and just in that last percentage of <laughs> reading these past chapters, I kind of have a new theory. Yeah, who do you think it is now? Yeah. I'm very okay, curious. So literally the last chapter that we read together, I think that it's so suspicious that Micah um just a little run through <gasps> for our listeners. And I hear your guests, so Girl. I'm yeah, you know what yes! I don't I thought the same thing. So basically we're at the point where they have been investigating and looking for the person who has summoned this demon who killed Danica and the wolf pack and other people that have come along in the story. We're finding out more about the horn 
and just how important it is if it can be repaired, if its powers can possibly be restored. And we're at the point where Hunt has gone to basically meet up when she's feeling <laughs> conflicted. And they are ambushed by the demon. And the scallops yes, or something yes, like that. The, I've been pronouncing it as like the chrysalis or chrysalis demon, but I could be saying that incorrectly. Oh, I'm not. I can't even remember at the moment what <laughs> the word looked like to spell it. So. <laughs> and they are able to defeat this demon, even with Bryce sort of questioning how this could be possible. And immediately on the scene... When people are arriving to find out their story, find out what happened, we have Micah, this basically the most powerful character here in Crescent City, who also owns Hunt. He immediately says that this cannot go out into the public and burns it, burns the demon without having even really fully inspected it. You know, he just immediately sees it and boom. Burns it to ash. Suspicious. Oh, so suspicious. And I think there is definitely some kind of ulterior motive there because it just does not make sense. You know, if he no. if he's so worried about it going to the public, he would just, you know, cover it up, move it, move it to a, a secure location that can take a look at it or something. And and I also think too, you know. We find out in the book that Micah was the one who was attacked by this demon and basically had its jaws around his heart, and yet he lived. You know, yeah, through the intervention of Bright. Because this demon goes for the organs, but the demon that killed Annika left them in piles of just mush. That's very true. And when you think about it too, yes, it goes for the organs, but this demon attacks Hunt's shoulder or arm instead of immediately going for like the neck or something that would, you know, completely wound him. So, so actually it's rephrased for you. The thing that killed Danica, Mm -hmm. it left them in, in blood piles. The thing that attacked Micah and uh, Hunt that was the that demon, the chrysalis demon. So you're thinking that it so was two different she, demons? She mentioned, yes, she mentioned that she saw the demon in the apartment building. She didn't actually see the demon in the apartment. Yeah. So it wasn't actually in the room. She thinks it was just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. It would make kind of some sense there, but that brings to question if... Is it one person who is summoning two different kind of monsters or demons? Or is it two people that are perhaps fighting against one another and summoning these demons? As And there's just this kind of bloody middle ground happening where they're both trying to achieve something. Maybe they're both trying to find the horn. Maybe Micah summoned the demon to make it look like... Like, basically, so it would attack him, so he looked like he was mm-hmm. innocent. That's what I was thinking, that he purposefully att- um, summoned that demon, so then it would make him look not like Yeah, I was thinking the same, the same way. 
And I think it's interesting, too, mm-hmm. because we find out that these particular types of demons, or at least the ones that we've seen, can be summoned only through, like, this type of salt. And Yes, the black yeah, salt. And they ha- we haven't gone truly into how they are being summoned, if it has to be done through someone, like, with significant power or or not. But, I mean, I guess not, because they originally thought that it was this Briggs character who is human and mm-hmm. who has no magic, they thought that he had perhaps summoned it. So we know then established that you don't have to have any or that much power to be able to summon it. And I suppose even control it. Mm-hmm. So it is really interesting. I think we've kind of like opened up another theory here together because <laughs> I had, I think so too. Cause I had never, you know, I, I was thinking, okay, yeah, maybe it's possible that it's not the same demon. But I hadn't really thought that maybe it's not just one demon, that there are multiple going around here. And I think Bryce is starting to kind of pick up on that as well. Because around the end of uh, the chapter that we're on, she is kind of just stumped as to how on earth they defeat this demon just the two of them when it was able to murder mm-hmm. the whole pack of wolves so it's really interesting yes yes no i definitely think it's it's two different demons with probably two different agendas mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see who is at the root of all this but micah is he's very I know. I do still suspect Isaiah because he is under the control of Micah and perhaps he has his own deal with him. Because if Micah is willing to make a deal with Hunt, I'm sure he has plenty of deals going on. So we'll see just kind of how how much... Um, hopefully we'll see. I mean, you know, by the time we get to the end and we revisit this podcast, we'll be like, oh my gosh, what were we thinking? But, uh, but that's, that's the fun part. What yes. would you say is kind of like one thing that stood out to you, some favorite part of the book for you? I really enjoyed, uh, Hunt's trip to the Oracle. I thought that just the way the Oracle was and how unique she was thought that whole experience was really exciting. Um, so that was definitely a part that stuck out to me. Also the, you know, attack of the uh, demon when it attacked Hunt, I think that was also a pretty memorable moment as well. What about you? It's funny because one of the things that stood out to me is I just really like the relationships in this book. And sometimes, you know, when I'm reading like romance, I just kind of, I don't know, sometimes I don't get into the relationships with the character, but I do like the partnership between Bryce and Hunt. Uh, and there's that scene of them on the couch <laughs> watching TV. He's watching a sports. <laughs> oh, yeah, the sunball. 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 And she looks over and she sees him in the hat and is just like kind of blown <laughs> away because he's this, the shadow of death. Know big warrior angel man, and yet she sees him wearing this just like funny hat and doesn't hold back in kind of making fun of him, too. So I feel like you know that part (laughs) of her comes out as well by seeing 
that. And, you know, later on, even then, you find out that when he first came to Crescent City after, you know, essentially he was kind of being tortured and being used for these terrible means. And, you know, he still is, but he's able to have just a tiny bit of more freedom under Micah. And he says how when he first came to Crescent City, he saw this hat. And it was just so normal and kind of just marked this new beginning of being in Crescent City. And that's why he got it. That was kind of like a cool scene. I feel like, you know, when you're in this just huge fantasy and investigative and crazy action scenes going on that... Sometimes you don't get like (laughs) those just little tiny personality scenes. (laughs) So I liked that she was able to kind of fit those in. And even Bryce, she has like those jelly jubilee characters. Oh my gosh, the unicorn. (laughs) I just thought that was so funny. And I think it's really cool that she was still able to kind of fit in these comedic little just... They don't really go to the plot, but they just, you know, they fit to the character. They kind of, you know, warm that character up for you. So, yeah, yeah, long story short, I really liked those parts. (laughs) I love those parts, too. Those were good mentions, definitely. Yeah, gosh, I just feel like there's so much to process from what we've been going through. I think, you know, you had mentioned the Oracle earlier being one of your favorite scenes of Hunt. What did you think about... Some of the other oracles, the her scenes, her um, what do you call it? Uh, her yes. foretellings, <laughs> premonitions. But she, uh, so far, we've seen four. Well, correct. It was Hunt, Bryce, her her brother Rune, and then we also had a mention her with Danica. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. I cannot I remember Danica. So I have it pulled up, and. Uh, okay. Bryce is talking about she's talking about the the jacket that she wears that used to be Danica's and along the back it says through love all is possible and she also has the tattoo of that on her back but in a fancy alphabet that apparently Danica pulled up so I'm kind of like that was unusual as well like why in this alphabet is it really what's going on because she does mention that the oracle told her this apparently and nothing else oh interesting i forgot about that part the other foretellings the premonitions i think that for ruin i think it's because i do think that bryce has abilities Uh, maybe she hasn't tapped into them yet Uh, maybe she won't get them until the drop but i think that she has abilities and i think that they're gonna be along the lines of the kings, the autumn kings, because one thing is he's been very disappointed that his son does not have those abilities, or at least not strong abilities of that. He has the strong uh, starborn abilities, which I also think it's interesting that it takes starborn blood to create one of those demons. And then the print, the dark prince blood, but anyway, side, side note. So I think that when he says that that will be the end of his reign or what was it that he wouldn't be the king or something like that that. be the end of this particular family's role yes yes i don't know i just i have suspicions that maybe it's hinting that bryce is going to be 
I don't know. Maybe she'll be Queen <laughs> Faye. <laughs> um, as far as Bryce's, when the Oracle saw her, all the Oracle saw when she viewed uh, her mirror was I, what I think mm. was light mm. or brightness. So she didn't actually, at least I don't think she actually saw anything about Bryce. But I think that that was a little glimpse into the power yeah. that Bryce is going to yeah, have. I absolutely agree. I think it's really interesting that... We have this Oracle character and, well, first of all, she doesn't like Bryce because, yes, she went, yeah, she went blind a week after (laughs) even trying to look into her future. But I think it's funny, too, because, you know, Oracle is kind of just kind of like a job to her because you would think that, I don't know, from reading, I've read some other books that have Oracles in them, and usually it's like, oh, if they don't see the future, they'll to it or they'll have some kind of other play into the plot and trying to help the character in some way but here we have the oracle who just oh i couldn't see your future also i never want to see you again so i thought that was really funny you know you have this modern take on these characters that oh they're just doing their job they're just (laughs) they're just gonna (laughs) have their prejudices and have their favorite meals and stuffed animals in their closets and it's really right. funny you know i think that's it kind of does lighten the mood in all investigative work so that's that's really great and i thought the oracle too i loved all those scenes and i hope we see more of her i really liked her character oh i liked her too but yeah i think we can wrap up here we've talked a bit about the progression of this book and our theories and obviously you know we have warned about spoilers but there weren't that many spoilers because you still don't know what's going on (laughs) (laughs) that's true i need answers sarah j moss let's pick it up (laughs) yeah i'm really excited to more keep up with you it's been really fun reading along with you yeah, reading along with you too. We've read the same books sometimes, especially with how in depth this book goes and how this mystery really just overplays everything. So bouncing around these theories has been really fun to do for sure. Yes, I agree. It's been an absolute pleasure to be on <laughs> yeah, this adventure and, you with know, you. I'm looking forward to doing more and just kind of figuring out the end of this book. And talking again about, you know, yes. maybe, you know what, just maybe some of our theories are right. <laughs> right. But you know what's going to happen, right? We're going to get to the end and none of our <sighs> theories will I be know. right. <laughs> I was trying to be a little hopeful. Yeah. Okay. I'm the optimist here. I get it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, um, but yeah, I look forward to our next part. Me too. So hi, Becca. 
it hasn't Hi. been very long, but here we are again. One week later. Yes. <laughs> and I have basically been blown away by how quickly we read the, the second half of this book, mainly just because I could not put the book down. What about you? I, I couldn't put it down either. It was action-packed and quite amazing. <laughs> yeah, I... I mean, it was at the point where I was annoying the people around me because I wasn't listening to a word they were saying to me. So <laughs> I think at one point oh, no. I was actually shushing my mom because she was trying to speak to me while I was reading and it was at a very crucial part. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this right now. <laughs> so we had first kind of, you know, stated our first impressions of the book and then we kind of went into some of our favorite characters and scenes. How would you say that has changed in the second part? Do you have a new favorite character? I do have a new favorite character, although I still love Ruin. But Bryce really surprised me in the second half of the book. And she's definitely my favorite. She's quite amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad you say that. <laughs> I had, <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I had originally started with Bryce as my favorite character. And I do have to admit that I really, really like Rune now. At first, I was a little unsure about his character. I was just kind of like, oh, maybe he he's just going to stay kind of this side character. But the more he developed and the more that Bryce and his relationship developed I just really really liked him a lot but I do have to say that Bryce is still my favorite character overall I think she's just she's a really awesome main character she is I mean I know it's about her and it's all told from her point of view but she had a lot of things that I think she kind of kept hidden some you know badass moments <laughs> oh yeah absolutely but I think you know it's just so incredibly interesting how complicated Bryce's character really was yes. how many layers there were to her and I think that was just something that just so shined through the book was that this character just kept surprising you until literally yes. the last chapters. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's part of the reason why I couldn't stop reading it was because some of the amazing things that she did that was just surprising. You're just like, oh, my goodness, what's she going to do next? I have to see what's going to happen. <laughs> and it's so great, too, because it was more than just the action it was her her personality personality and ways mm -hmm. that she was able to kind of grow strength from all of this tragedy and betrayal and still somehow find forgiveness in all of that mm -hmm. not just towards hunt but towards her brother and even i i could like <laughs> get a weird sense of her kind of finding a resolution in terms of the Autumn King, her father, because I feel like she still kind of felt almost a bit like under his control. And that's why she pushed Rune away. Like she wanted Rune to truly know the extent of how terrible the Autumn King was. And I think it, it became more than that for her that she was able to not even really see him as this kind of enemy anymore. And I'm not saying like she forgives him or, or 
like has good feelings for him. I just mean that Mm -hmm. she was able to put aside those kind of feelings that held her back and be able to open herself up to that other side of the family with Rune. So, I mean, does that make sense? (laughs) Yes. No, it makes sense. Yeah. I feel like her developing not just power, but power in her decisions was able Mm -hmm. to give her this freedom to be herself no matter what kind of control is in the Fey world or what kind of control was between her and Rune. No, I think that makes perfect sense. I think that that also kind of shows how in the beginning she doesn't, it's almost like she's hiding who she is and we don't know that she's hiding who she is. And so I think that's why I really enjoy uh, the second half of the book, not just because it's action packed and everything like that, but it really, she starts to come to reveal, you know, who she is. And I think she finally finds a place for herself. Like she feels comfortable and able to finally express who she is. And so I think that's one thing that I really enjoyed was her journey to finally be able to breathe and let everyone know that, hey, I'm starborn. (laughs) (laughs) I have a star inside me. (laughs) Exactly. And I think too, It was just really, I was just so impressed really by all of the reveals and changes because even from the standpoint of her being starborn, but also from her being able to not just forgive herself, but move on from the tragedy of Danica and the wolf pack's deaths, Mm -hmm. she was able to finally heal herself in, in turn, physically and emotionally and we see that and it's such a goodness it that scene where she is with the many witch and hunt and is having her leg healed was just so impactful I think oh my goodness really stood out I mean it was it's definitely a scene that I just feel like it was definitely like top three scenes in the book for me. Oh yeah, that was that was a brutal scene too. Just reading it and knowing how much pain she was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, Not, but emotionally too. You know, she's mm-hmm. she's literally going through this sense of pain that no one else can possibly understand. She's had this demon poison or venom coursing through her body for two years. Uh, to the point where, you know, any sort of physical activity is irritating it. And then she was holding on to that. And I I thought that was just so, gosh, that was, (laughs) that was rough. It was, it was very emotional for sure for her character, but definitely a changing point for her growth and how she is able to literally take those steps towards healing and being more free. And of course, you know, mm-hmm. soon after <laughs> is dealt with all of this other emotional turmoil. It was just, it was so amazing. Yes. Not the turmoil, but the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're talking about favorite scenes, what were your other favorite scenes? Definitely all the sex scenes. <laughs> You, those are your favorites? No. <laughs> I'm, oh, totally, I'm totally kidding with you. I'm totally kidding with you. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. I'm sorry. And I actually like made some comments. About this. I feel like if she had taken out those sex scenes, 
it would have been better or not better, but just like, I don't know. They almost felt unnecessary. I wouldn't say, I mean, I can understand them being necessary, but I would say that the particular timing and length of them would get a bit awkward because there are points, you know, when literally they would be looking into (laughs) some pretty gruesome stuff or one of them or both of them would be injured And then, you know, it would develop into this very intimate scene. And it did feel a bit misplaced. Yes. So I would say from my own personal preference, I would have preferred those scenes to be more, a bit more casual, because I felt like it was just really cold and hot in those scenes. For any type of writing, you're going to have readers who, who do enjoy that sort of thing. For me, it's fine. I just feel like it probably could have been more naturally involved between the scenes. Well, in her A Court of Thorn and Roses uh, series, um, that is a romance, lots of scenes, <laughs> um, but she she does it very well. And so throughout all three of the books, all those scenes, like it, it just naturally flows with the story. And so I think that's what I had a hard time with this book is that you have you know, what, 70% of the book of them mostly just kind of being friends and flirting around this maybe possible more of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like because of where the story was going, to me, it felt like she knew there needed to be some sort of romantic scene between them, but she didn't really have an ideal place to place it because of all the events that were taking place after this sex scene. So I think that in in that regard, just because I've read her other stuff, and so I've seen what she can do with a romance and how well it is and how well she writes that, I think that because of all the important things that had to happen in the story, that scene kind of took the back burner. And to me, it just it just completely felt a little rushed, out of place, like, bam, wow, okay. Because, you know, they, for me, like, up until that point, they were still kind of in the friend zone. And so it just, it seemed a little off. It wasn't terrible, though. I mean, I still love the book. I just personally think that if she hadn't put all that in there, because it was a really long scene, I think that it wouldn't have changed the book at all. Like, it still would have been as uh, meaningful, you know, that everything between them still would have been um, important and felt real. Anyway, you'd have to read her other stories so you could see how well she does do romance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's funny because I feel like almost if they had had just sort of like a conversation about it, it might not have felt so boom. But I also think that's kind of like the characters and who they are and (laughs) they're very Mm -hmm. impulsive and hot-headed so that's true so I think you know maybe it was kind of in character it was just kind of like (laughs) strange to as a reader be reading about all of that and then all of a sudden have a sex scene in like the same chapter and and he's in pain and he's I know Blood everywhere, and it's just, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. But I also think too that she very strategically placed that scene in order to make the 
betrayal and what he was his real agenda was so impactful to Bryce because Bryce even though she's been you know intimate with people she hasn't been actually emotionally and emotionally and I can't say intimate (laughs) (laughs) she hasn't been emotionally invested in people yes so I think that you know she's been keeping people from a distance and when she does open herself up into this relationship or this hope for a relationship you know even where they are making plans for their future it suddenly is you know boom that reveal of what Hunt is really up to and it definitely is that shock value for sure in the book I thought Mm -hmm. um I mean I was texting you about it I was just so (laughs) angry (laughs) it really is you know big, big shock value there for the reader. That was definitely a turning point that she wanted to put in for Hunt because Hunt is kind of, he is this older character. He's gone through these trials. He's been in slavery and you see him trying to kind of grasp onto bits of happiness and opening up as well, but he is who he is. And even though he's been able to change and grow with Bryce, his beliefs do not change about wanting to be free and wanting to free his uh, other people, you know, just get more justice for those that are not angels and, and pure fae. And so I think that it was really interesting for his character. You know, we have this big reveal, but and you're so angry with him, you really feel that betrayal (laughs) with Bryce's side of things. But then it's like with Bryce, or at least in my point of view, I did kind of like have, you know, step back and calm down with Bryce's character. And I realized that we know who he is. He hasn't really changed in these core parts of his character. And I think too that that really led to Bryce's actions next. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. I agreed with them. I thought it was actually quite hilarious because it was literally a part where Bryce was saying, I'm not going to do anything stupid. I'm going to do something smart. And then the <laughs> next chapter, she, I mean, I cannot, how was it not stupid to offer herself? I know. In place, <laughs> as a slave, in place of Hunt as a slave. It just did not, I mean, I don't see how that can be considered as smart. She obviously wasn't thinking very well. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> but I thought that was, um, I mean, I found it comical. Did you? I I did. I chuckled. But I think, too, it just shows how much he cared about him. And despite, you know, what he did to her, um, she still wanted to make sure that she could do whatever she can to try and save his life. And so I think that's pretty notable and honorable, but maybe not very smart. <laughs> she and Hunt, they did at this point know facts about each other that maybe they hadn't revealed to other people, even with all her secrets. And her offering herself up up for him not just to save his life but to save his sanity because he had been a slave under her rule before and I think it was literally the worst position he could be in and Mm -hmm. Bryce sees that and it's almost no question for her like she will do anything to prevent him from having his worst suffering and it 
it overruled any sort of betrayed feelings she might have had. And it really, it really surprised me to read about. I mean, I found it funny, but I also just really, I was honestly really surprised by all of that and what came about of it. I mean, clearly it did not work. <laughs> it <laughs> backfired. Well, we also got to see in that scene, uh, Rune, and how brotherly he was. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Because he marches in and saves her, or, you know, stops her from doing it. And so, and, and he knew that she'd be so mad at him for doing it, but he did it anyway because he knew it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And with that action, too, it puts her at the precipice of everything that happened after that. I mean, it just steamrolls completely after that where everything (laughs) is just boom 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 action and absolute reveals that were really really good I mean this was the basically the point where there was no chance I could put the book down (laughs) (laughs) so we sort of brushed on it oh actually I didn't ask you I wanted to ask you what your favorite scenes were I mean mine I kind of had mentioned (laughs) mine with the many witch and then uh her rescuing hunt but what about you my all-time favorite scene is by far when she kills micah and then vacuums him up i love that scene so much i cannot it was so iconic the way that that scene came about the way that she single-handedly takes him out and then uh, just the vacuum i (laughs) i lost it i lost it so much and i'm so glad you brought that scene up because i completely agree that was definitely like one of the top scenes oh yeah for me like everything about that whole moment when you find out that micah has been the one that you know, behind everything that he's been, you know, trying to find the horn and he's responsible for her best friend for being killed. Everything that happens in the the studio is just, oh my goodness, it is intense. And so every moment leading up to her killing him is a struggle and a battle and a fight. And she just, I mean, she conquers all those steps and is able to kill him. And I think it's quite amazing but then, yeah, the vacuum. I mean, that just shows her personality. Like, she vacuums up his his dust. Yeah. It was, it literally gave <laughs> you... so her. It is very her. And it gave you this, such a satisfactory resolution to everything. That not mm-hmm. only was she able to avenge the killer, but just completely, completely erase him from the earth. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Here, let me vacuum up his ashes. Yeah, I, I wonder too if that vacuum will have some sort of impact in book two. <laughs> Just <laughs> please mention it. Just one little sentence. Oh, you know, that old vacuum, don't use that. <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> oh, man, so good. It'll sprout some wings and fly around the place. So we have now, you know, talked about some of the reveals that have happened. I was really impressed, actually, and I did not think that we would really get close to some of the identity of the killer and our theories that we had. I mean, the theories that we mentioned just a little while ago weren't actually that off the mark. I (laughs) No. It was really cool, I gotta say, because, you know, when we were, when I was reading the book, there were just these parts where I was like, Oh my gosh, I knew it. I knew it. 
So that was really cool. What would you say? I mean, we had first had some suspicion about Isaiah and then Micah. Uh, we did mention from the end of chapter 46. So we did kind of have, you know, a little hints there along the way. And I think that was really cool what was spun in the story investigation unfolded. So what were your thoughts on that? Well, I still want to know why that one chapter is by Isaiah's point of view. And I'm going to have to read it again, chapter six, and analyze it because there's got to be a reason why Isaiah has one chapter in 97 chapters. (laughs) I really think there's a reason why. But anyway, if that's besides the point, I think that being able to guess that it was Micah, you know, those guesses didn't really come until later on in the story when you start to uh, find out little tidbits of information. So And you start to think, well, yeah, he was a block away from where she was murdered and he was attacked by one of the demons. So little things just kind of started um, to hint at him. But I think even though we kind of knew that he was the bad guy, the reveal of him and everything that he did was just so well done. I mean, here's this powerful archangel that walks into the gallery where she works and Basically, like, I mean, that, that whole moment, I mean, the suspense, even though you knew he, he was bad and you knew it was coming, I think that she really did that scene so well. And just the way that Bryce responds to it and the way that she writes her scenes and how um, you can just feel the suspense. And so I think even though we knew it, it still was such a powerful reveal. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like the reveals themselves, you know, they didn't lose that sort of shock even with the sort of breadcrumbs that were left in the book and I have to wonder Mm -hmm. too when you mentioned about Isaiah having a chapter I kind of almost wonder if that's going to be sort of a prelude to him having more scenes or more involvement in the next book Like maybe possibly that was sort of just a a starting point because he has been kind of, you know, a secondary character, which I thought, you know, that's why I kind of suspected him because we see him and he's a good character. He has a lot of, you know, kind of background with him and has been closely tied to Hunt. So I was kind of like, well, I mean, is he going to have more involvement in this story? And maybe we might just see that. Yeah, no, I I think Good um, thought. And so it'll be really interesting to see if he has more in book two. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was really cool too to learn about the history of the actual library that we have been seeing in this book that, that Bryce and Hunt and even Rune have been relying on for information during this investigation. And I've been pronouncing the, the fire, what is it? Not fire spirit, but Lahabe, or Lahabe. <laughs> well, I thought it was really cool her tying in these sorts of climatic points that are that come to the scene where she is confronted by Micah, and you see the books, you see this tank with the creepy monster, and just oh, everything, wise. you know, in this scene we've seen multiple times in the book and then it all comes to fruition there where we have the truth revealed where we have the main battle scene sort of taking place before she tries to escape 
And I thought that was really cool because I feel like it was just a really interesting kind of foreshadowing towards what was to come about, you know, and what this library really means. And even sort of the power that Micah could have, you know, he instantly wanted to destroy it, but we know for sure that these books have power. So I wonder too, if we are going to see more (laughs) of this library and how it will connect to the very, very large world that she has created. And uh, so I'm just, gosh, I can't stop thinking about book two. I'm like, hurry up, let's go, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm really glad that you mentioned her little sprite friend. Chapter 79, I bawled my eyes out. Oh my goodness, when she does what she can to save Bryce and give her those few minutes to kill Micah. Um, And she does that by, you know, flying into the tank and cracking it, you know, basically killing herself. So then she can give Bryce that time. That was such a, I I mean, like I said, I cried. Chapter 79, I cried. Yeah, I (laughs) felt like the way the entire chapter was just scene per scene was just so good. I, you know, and that impact too, that it wasn't just her saving Bryce. It was just her being, giving her those few extra moments so that she would have a chance to defeat Micah. And I mean, (laughs) yeah, it was, it was definitely a very sad, sad character death. I mean, we need some warnings up in here. (laughs) (laughs) but it was really good I thought you know all these little pieces and everything that came about in those last chapters were just I mean I I was so so impressed with how it all came about oh yes me too it was so well done I know it gets frustrating too because we have to talk about all this and I'm like but I'm speechless (laughs) (laughs) well you know your comment about the library Mm -hmm. you know at the end of the book you do have a scene where the Prince of Hell, one of them, I think there's seven of them, mentioned to one of the enchantresses, the one that owns, I think it's Jessica, mm-hmm. owns the gallery and asks her if the library is still intact. And she says yes, and that she moved it. And so I think that we're going to definitely see more of that life. I'm so glad you touched on that because the prince or one of the princes of hell and Oh my gosh, that scene that you have where he first comes about and Bryce knows him was just another shocking, shocking moment. And I was like, what is going on? It was just so completely, (laughs) I mean, it is a rather actually tame scene. They're literally confined to these circles. There's no sort of action that happens, but it was a very intense scene for sure because you have the prince of the chasm he talks to Bryce that you know come to me once you've made the drop and now we have officially come to this point where Bryce has and it has I mean there has to be more to this because he knows that she was starborn so it is more than just I think the starborn powers it's all of these powers that she now has contained in her And the potential that she possibly has. And I mean, we're talking powers that aren't just good, but also possibly darker. That's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. I think that was really, really cool. I'm really glad you mentioned that. And I think it'll be really interesting, too, knowing now 
that he and Jessica know each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and it also makes you wonder because um, she had that amulet, which was given to her by Jessica. And I almost wonder how much Jessica knew about uh, Bryce, about her abilities, about the fact that she's the horn tattooed on her back. I just wonder how much she really knew because that amulet was to protect her, to keep the the demons from being able to find her. And uh, Danica had told her to never take it off. So I, it just makes me wonder if Jessica knew all along, even though she's not always nice to Bryce, I think that she knew what she was and was trying to do her best to keep her safe. I think that possibly Jessica didn't know about her being starborn because she does kind of mention it in the last scene. But I think it. she definitely had some sort of, I don't know, some sort of information about Bryce because she did originally get the job through Fury, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Yes. And Fury obviously has a lot of secrets. She was in the whole council thing and has some sort of power, correct? Mm -hmm. So I think it's really interesting that, you know, maybe Fury told her something and Jespa kind of was able, I I mean, I find it unlikely that Jespa would have hired her without sort of looking into her. Yes. She might have been. So Mm -hmm. I think it's possible that maybe she did know about her being the Autumn King's daughter, maybe not Starborn Mm -hmm. since no one really knew. Uh, well, yeah, no, I, I just meant that um, I think she knew about the horn yeah. because amulet was specifically designed to protect from demons. So just, that's just my opinion. You don't have to agree with that. Oh, no, I mean, that's why we're here to kind of like figure <laughs> out what we might have missed and what who knows about what might happen. So I think that's the best part of it is being able to share this and kind of really think about these characters because we have just so many crazy characters and in-depth personalities that you're bound to miss something. So I think that's, I think that's the fun of it. Yeah. No, I mean, like, like you said, like the Starborn, that's right at the end. Um, I remember Jessica being surprised, but I just, I think that she had to have known something special about her. Yeah, maybe. I mean, she obviously, there is a lot of secret. Well, she also tends to collect magical things. That Oh, that is very true. Oh my gosh. So. <laughs> and she did originally want the horn. She had originally sent Bryce mm-hmm. after it. And then stopped. Yeah, she stopped having point. her search. That is so. a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I definitely want to mention is how weird and freaky the Asteri is. Yes. I don't even know what to call them. Are they angels? I'm not sure. But they are freaky. Yeah, they are. I have to completely agree. The Asteri, you see them in literally, what, two, maybe three scenes. And one of the main points that you first get is how the power just kind of reverberates through the room. Mm -hmm. And it, like actually causes these you know other very powerful characters in the book to physically like look down like not even meet their eyes or even look at them um only a few are even able to do that 
And goodness, I hope we see them again. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sure we will. I, I think that they may be the ultimate villain in this. Mm-hmm. Especially after the conversation that what the head Asteri has with mm-hmm. Bryce herself. Well, and, and the fact that they give Hunt his freedom. So they're trying to make sure that she doesn't use the horn and that she doesn't use her starborn powers. I think they're afraid of her. And so it'll be really interesting to see what what comes about that in the next book. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it'll be really interesting as well to see how Bryce's starborn powers might kind of work with Rune's because Rune does have this small amount of starborn power and can actually sense the horn through her. He didn't know it, but he becomes aware of it later on. And so I'm, I'm interested to see how that will work because we've apparently had two starborn people before and they were able to kind of work together. So I wonder if that's sort of yes. leading towards some sort of fate. Yes, I love that idea. I, I definitely think that's a possibility. Yeah, I'm really excited. May I also add um, one thing that I really loved is I loved that she loved her brother so much. Like even though she never says it, she never, you know, she's mad at him most of the time in the book. But she knows how much he loves the fact that he has that starborn ability and it's so small compared to what she can do. And so because she cares about him and she doesn't want to upset him and, you know, to her, it doesn't matter if she has it or not. It, you know, she actually thought it was a worthless gift that it doesn't do anything but shines brightly and blinds people. But I love the fact that she she chose not to tell him because she wanted him to be right where he was. That That's something he loved and she wanted to make sure that he still had that. And so I thought that was really awesome um, yeah. to see that two of them. And likewise, as soon as he finds out about her having starborn powers, he does not hesitate to completely accept her and those powers and immediately tells her that it doesn't matter. It, it makes no difference to me. And I wish you would have known how much more important she was to him instead of being mm-hmm. a, a starborn, you know, chosen one kind of character. And, and then you have his own sort of secret that still hasn't been revealed to anyone about being part of the last line of their rules. So I wonder too, how that's going to play about. I mean, I don't really have any theories about that yet because I feel like it's just so, it's very general. It could go anywhere now that Bryce has been revealed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. It'll be interesting to see what she ends up doing. So another thing that I really loved was that huge epic battle at the end of the story where, um, you know, because Micah had used the horn and had, uh, without meaning to, because he meant to open up a different gate, he opened up the gates to hell. And so you have all of these demons coming through and it's a slaughterhouse and people are dying. And one of my favorite parts is when she's got a shotgun and a sword and she's charging into the uh, human villages and trying to help as many people as she can. And I love how 
the prime of the alphas calls her a wolf. Oh my gosh, yes. So amazing. I loved that moment so much. And I just thought that stuck out. And that to him, show, you know, was saying like, you don't have to have the ability to become a wolf to be a wolf. There she is standing her ground. And that was just such a powerful moment. So I wanted to add that to the list of awesome scenes. Absolutely. <laughs> I completely agree. That was such a good moment. I really enjoyed that. Also, it kind of, it was so funny because you had this epic battle where she is single-handedly going through all of these demons to rescue those that are not as powerful in the humans. And then you had this sort of comical other side of it where they're all just kind of watching her on TV. <laughs> yes. It was, I mean, I found it pretty funny. I was just like, this is kind of weird, but I mean, okay. <laughs> I loved all their commentary, though, and how they're like yelling at the screen, like, no, Bryce, go the other way. Or I don't know. I think that's it's just another element that sets it apart from other books. Like it was just so unique and original. And I loved every moment of it. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. So we had originally had a theory about more than one person summoning the demons. And Props to us because we were somewhat right. <laughs> so I'm going to count that yes. as a win. Yes, the, the demons, I thought it was so interesting that, you know, there's this synthetic drug that has been released into the world and you have people taking this drug, which this is a crazy drug, and without meaning to are summoning demons. So you're right. We were right about that theory. Yeah, not only that, but Micah, going through the links of actually pushing this drug just to create basically a smoke screen to cover the actual murders was just so, it was very surprising for sure. I mean, even with our own sort of theory that we had about more than one person involved and how it couldn't just be the same type of demon or same demon because of the kill methods. But I thought that was really, really interesting and really added to that shock value as well. And we had even mentioned too about how Hunt was attacked and the way that the demon did not originally go for his you know, main organs, it like went for his arm or hand. And that actually was referenced later in the book about how he had touched the jacket. And so I was like, uh -huh. I mean, we, we, I wasn't even there yet. It was mentioned offhand. And when I got to that part, I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. The types of hints that were left in the book that you sort of, you know, you almost pick up on, but it just, when you get there, it's so satisfying and it's so crazy to read about for sure. <laughs> I think that really made it incredibly easy to just read through the second half of this book so quickly. Oh, yes. No, I, I agree with you there. Might I also add that Micah is a royal jerk. I mean, he does all of this because he wants to become an Asteri. That I mean, I was just like, oh, you jerk. You jerk. You power-hungry jerk. <laughs> so just had to add that in there. <laughs> I mean, the links that he goes through were no end. It was just so satisfying to read about him being vacuumed up at that point. <laughs> I cannot point that out more. <laughs> goodness I I never would have put that down as a satisfying end to a bad character is being vacuumed 
<laughs> right. So definitely props to Sarah J. Moss <laughs> for really just making that so rememberable. So hopefully, you know, we will see the sequel. Uh, what's mentioned on Goodreads is that it's set to be in March 2021, though I do expect to take a longer than that, but we'll see. I mean, hopefully we'll see this pretty soon. <laughs> I, I want to read the next one with you already. She does write her books fairly quickly. So I would place my bet on it coming uh, around March, if not a month or two after. Well, that's really exciting. So I think we are at the verdict point where we can kind of talk about how we're going to rate these books from now on in our review sessions. As you listeners know, we have been doing the Page Inbound for quite some time and we review books there. We've been doing it for quite a while. And here with Bookleaf in our sort of Unbound Readers podcast, we are going to be rating our books from one to five leaves in association with our book leaf. So what would you say is your rating, Becca? Definitely five leaves. Yes. <laughs> I have to say five <laughs> for me as well. Overall, this book really had so much involved, so much mm -hmm. to give to the reader and different types of reader. I feel like there's a very large variety of people that will really enjoy this book. Yes. And might I also add that I wish that there was book two already because I would have dived into it the moment after I finished. <laughs> the book hangover is real. I am definitely just, I have these like kind of itchy fingers right now wanting more of this story, but <laughs> I'll just have to settle for another amazing book to read with you. So I'm just really excited that we were able to get this together and come to you listeners, bring some opinions. Hopefully we entertained you with our sort of method here. We're going to continue to read these books halfway, spend some of our theories and favorite characters and really just what we think of the book. We do hope you stick around and read these books with us and really enjoy them as much as we have enjoyed them. Thank you for joining us for our very first podcast. If you want to hear more, follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates. Happy listening and happy reading.